0: My hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello, welcome to After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm your host, John Steele, and I'm really glad you're here, and I promise I'm not just saying that. From what I can tell so far, you're really a stand-up audience. Way to go. Anybody else getting excited for Christmas? It's just a few days away here, depending on when you're listening. I wonder if Santa will be a little more lenient on the coal this year. I mean, 2020 has been tough, and I think everybody could just use a break, Santa. So, cool it. Well, one thing I can promise is that this episode you're about to listen to is a top-shelf gift. My friend Rachel is totally legit, and we had a great time chatting about sweet moments with her chapter at large group, expectations after college, and getting plugged into a church in your own hometown. I will also say that there was a huge part of our conversation that rather than edit down to fit in the episode and totally destroy the content, I'm hoping to release as a bonus episode in the new year so that it can be heard in its entirety. Too important to risk mangling, so stay tuned for that. For now, though, enjoy this lovely chat with my friend Rachel. Uh, Please forgive some of our audio issues, long-distance interviews don't always get captured perfectly. So thank you and enjoy. (laughs) Hey Rachel, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, I'm excited. I'm
0: excited to hear some of your story and for you to be able to share what life has been like since moving on to the next phase of life after university. But before we get into that, I'd like to spend some time in the past, some time looking at the good old days. So first, just tell us what school you went to and what year you graduated.
1: I went to UW-Eau Claire and I graduated in December of 2018.
0: So coming up on two years here already. Yeah, crazy. As you think about two years, does it feel like, wow, it's already been two years or it's only been two years?
1: That's a great question. I would definitely lean on the side of flown by. I graduated in December and then I got engaged. Is that right? Yeah, in January. And then we got married the following October. And all through that, I worked at three different schools from that time till now. So there's just been like a lot of transition. I actually like that. I think it's fun and I like change and keeping things moving. So that's been fine for me, but I think it definitely has flown by.
0: It seems to me at one of our fall conferences that we led worship together, it was in the middle of a pretty tough season as far as one of these schools that you were working at was Mm -hmm. pretty challenging. So it hasn't all been roses and (laughs) and puppy dogs.
1: (laughs) No. Some of my professors came to observe and just decided that it wasn't a safe learning environment oh, yeah. so then i just got transferred anyway to a different teacher
0: man that must have been really fantastic to have some professors that were like advocating for you and recognizing yeah. that that was not good
1: yeah i don't know
0: that's great again kind of living in the past here for a few minutes as you think about your time with intervarsity tell me the story of how you got involved
1: okay well younger <laughs> rachel was very stubborn i mean i <laughs> okay. i kind of still am so i <laughs> from a church in milwaukee that had like a really vibrant youth ministry and it was huge i was like kind of zoned in on something similar to what i experienced growing up so i went to college i just happened to go to the same school as one of my friends from high school we didn't plan it or anything we just kind of ended up there and we lived in the same dorm building and everything and she and i were having breakfast one day and she was like i met this girl coming up the hill because eau claire has this like legendary terrible hill right and it was in the middle of august so she was carrying all her textbooks from the bookstore up the hill and this girl her name's elsa she walked up next to my friend and was like hey do you want some help carrying your books and then elsa invited my friend abby to large group and then abby told me the next day like hey i went to this group and i think you should come with me next week and you might like it so i came and the worship team, I don't remember if it was specifically Rend Collective themed. Okay. There were like three guys on the stage playing metal trash cans for <laughs> drugs. And I was like,
0: "That's amazing.
1: this is like so weird, but I'm into it. Yeah, that's kind of how I ended up at InterVarsity. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: So not even necessarily like a direct experience that you had that got you plugged mm-hmm. in, but like a friend mm-hmm. that had an experience and brought you along. So then as you progress a little bit in your story as a young InterVarsity student, are there any experiences that really stand out to you as particularly transformative or funny or like, man, this is just something that stands out to me as sort of a hallmark moment in my InterVarsity experience?
1: In my junior year, I was going through a very, very hard time. Personally, I haven't experienced darkness like that in my life. Before then or after that, it was a really hard time. But when I was in high school, I started writing songs just as a way to connect with God and get some of those emotions out. And so when I was going through this really hard time, I was like, you know, I need to like put this down somewhere. So I wrote this song. It was kind of based off of the book 1000 Gifts by Ann Boskamp. She walks you through this journey of writing this list of 1000 things she's grateful for, the way that God cares for her and shows her his love. For her in little things so i started writing the song and jenna kaiser is involved uh-huh. for some reason the person who was supposed to speak at large group that night got sick and nobody else could cover for some reason and jenna was like i feel like it would be really powerful if you shared if you're comfortable like, a little bit about what's going on in your life and i was like i don't know how to talk about this i could give you like a five minute little blurb I can't give you a large group talk on this, but I did write (laughs) the song. Like, do you want me to play it? And she was like, yes. So I talked a little bit about like what I was going through. And and I mean, just like speak plainly, like about depression and suicide and mental health. I know that it's easier for me to just pretend like I'm the happiest person in the room than to Mm -hmm. actually stand up here and tell you that I'm struggling. So here I am, I'm struggling, you know? And then I like played this song And then I like stood up and I didn't know what else to do. So I just walked off the stage (laughs) and then I like walked off the stage and the whole chapter was like freaking out. People were like really going crazy. I had so many girls and guys come up to me at the end of that large group and be like, I've been struggling for like a couple of months and I didn't know that there was a place in Christian community to be able to talk about these things that will like stick in my mind for forever one being able to see wow my voice has power and God has given me this gift that maybe I should think about using (laughs) but also just to see wow this really is sad to me that all of us are struggling but also this is amazing because like I'm not alone and I thought I really was just by myself in this you know so that was like a really big moment for me too
0: That's fantastic. One, as a leader, to be able to be vulnerable and let people know that you experience real life things. Two, to have this prophetic sort of moment, having written these words that now you bring to this time and this place and that people are like, wow, it feels like you're talking exactly about what's going on in my life. What an amazing experience.
1: Yeah. And it was pretty cool because at that time, so, Clear Chapter was like 250 people to feel really connected in community to one another with that many different people. It was such a cool experience.
0: Well, thanks a lot for sharing. Those are awesome stories. <laughs> um, so, let's fast forward to the end of your senior year. And as you are looking towards the next phase of life, I'd be interested to know what were your expectations going into this next stage?
1: Yeah, I had a couple. So I knew that I definitely still wanted to work in urban education because I was working okay. in a low-income school in Milwaukee Public Schools, and I loved it. It was just such a great experience, and I was like, wow, I think this is sort of what I'm supposed to do, at least for right now. I was graduating in December, so I knew I would have to like look for a sub position sure. for spring semester and then start at the full-time position in the fall. But I was like, okay, I'm going to work at a school pretty similar to this one that I'm in. And I was thinking I was probably going to be getting married at some point. Uh, I didn't know (laughs) Jake was going to propose, but I was like, okay, we've talked about this quite a bit. So I think that's. (laughs) And when I was at Eau Claire, I studied in this undergraduate research program called the McNair program. That's a program for students of color and first generation college students that tries to give you the skills that you need to get into like a really good graduate school. So I was following the track that I was maybe going to apply to Stanford in California and like try to get into their program. Also in college, I lived in Guatemala for four months and I was a teacher there with a nonprofit organization in Guatemala city. And that was like, It was the best thing I've ever done in my whole life. So I was like, well, I'm definitely going back there at some point. So I had big plans, (laughs) lots to do.
0: (laughs) Okay, so working in an urban school setting, getting married, applying to Stanford, going back to Guatemala, those were sort of the expectations, the big dreams coming out. What's happened? What has life actually looked like?
1: Well, turns out adult life is just a lot more regular and boring. (laughs) (laughs) and also that just wasn't realistic i guess that's a lot to try to squeeze into my early 20s so um working in an urban school check doing that i love it Yeah, I'm actually working at the school I grew up at, which is a whole oh, other wow. thing. It's amazing. I love it so much. But if you would have asked me when I graduated high school, are you coming back to Eastbrook Academy to work here? I would have been like, what? No. So that's been just another whole element, but I love it. I'm wow. so happy so, to be there.
0: So do you work with some people that were your teachers?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I teach elementary and middle school Spanish and okay. she just retired. But through last year, my third grade teacher was still working there. So she would walk her kids to my classroom and drop them off and I would be like, hi, Mrs. Gruber. Wow. <laughs> so I'm, I am doing that and definitely feels like that's the place that the Lord has me right now. It's been amazing. I worked there last year and this year. And then I got married. So okay. that was the check. Um, two.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and then obviously, COVID puts a damper on everything. So yeah. I haven't been able to go back to Guatemala yet, but I do have plans to okay. go there hopefully nice. in like the next three years for a summer or a couple of months. And then Stanford slash graduate school. Don't know. I definitely want to do it someday. But when you get married, that other person also has dreams. So, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> it's like, it's like figure out our plans together and college is expensive.
0: Okay. So there's a couple of things that come out of that for me. Let's start with you and your husband. How has early married life been?
1: So let's see. We got married in October of 2019. So we had a solid five months before yeah country shut down so we live in like a teeny tiny one bedroom apartment in milwaukee on the east side and honestly i can say my parents and his parents were super supportive and i'm very grateful for that but we didn't have quite a few people in our lives saying you guys are so young like do you even know if this is what you really want or like we didn't live together before we got married and so a lot of his extended family was like you don't even know if you're gonna like any of this because living together is the trial run for marriage and i was like i don't know i guess i'm just going in blind (laughs) so unlike how a lot of people reacted i was sort of expecting it to be very hard (laughs) um but i feel really fortunate in that i married the most gracious Mm. patient kind easygoing person that i think i've ever met so like jacob is I don't know. Like he just makes it like easy to be around him and live with him. So yeah. I'm really grateful. Like I said at the beginning of this, I'm like a pretty stubborn person yeah. and pretty independent. So when I was younger or even, I don't know, four years ago, if you would have asked, do you see yourself getting married? I would have been like, no. So that's been way different than what I would have expected and what I kind of pictured for myself. I just never really like imagined at all that I would be married yeah so that definitely has been an adjustment just for me you know if you're having a bad day you just want to be crabby by yourself but then someone's in your house and your house is really small and there's only one room so it's like okay i think i'm just gonna like go for a drive right now (laughs) (laughs) so that's been like i think has been probably like the most difficult part for me to like say this is what I need or apologize when I don't do that and then I'm like a big jerk does that answer your question
0: definitely I've recognized what out of whack expectations I went into marriage with I would say that I have a very good marriage I'm very grateful for Caitlin and for our relationship but I definitely realized some of the weird baggage I didn't even realize I was bringing in and expectations and things that I thought she should just know and you start to realize that oh man this doesn't quite work the way that I thought it would and that it really does take work to figure that out
1: yeah and remembering as much as I have insecurities or things I struggle with mm. this other person also has those yes. you know like that's <laughs> kind of i That's what i underestimated the most (laughs) it's
0: interesting because we're so used to having the most committed people in our lives being our parents yeah (laughs) obviously as we grow and mature we can do a better job of being there for our parents but really their emotional stability does not depend on us yeah and so for the most part you have someone who is really committed to this relationship of i'm here to take care of you and to prepare you and totally. then you get into this new sort of situation where it's like, oh, you're not my parent. You're not just here to take care of me. We are here to take care of each other. That's part mm-hmm. of what we do. But I'm not the child anymore. Yeah. I am <laughs> totally. I am equally a part of this adult relationship. And, yeah.
1: And yeah. like, even when I'm tired, the dishes still have to get done. You know, yes. it's just like a <laughs> lot of transition, but it's great. I love it. Uh, I yeah. I'm grateful. I would 10 out of 10 do it again.
0: I'm glad to hear that. So tell me, what's it like seeing plans like Stanford, Guatemala being on hold, whether it's because of the COVID reality that we live in or just because of life going differently than you expect? What's that been like?
1: Yeah, I think in one word, disappointing. Mm, (laughs) (laughs) Not even necessarily just because of myself or feeling like I had all these big plans and now I'm not doing them as I fail. More like because both of those things were fueled by the change that I want to make in the world. Yeah. In Guatemala, especially, I just watched all the facets of what I'm naturally gifted at or what I've worked really hard for, you know, as a teacher, but also as Spanish and loves kids and just a lot of things kind of come together in one. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing how almost efficiently things can come together here because of these unique things that kind of make up who I am. All of those things feel like, shoot, I could be making a bigger impact if I have figured out a way to like make these things happen. But when I take a step back and think about the kids I work with now and the relationships that I've been able to build over the last two years, I cannot imagine my life without those kids. and. It's like really easy for me to pinpoint, okay, I needed to be at Eastbrook Academy for this student, this student, this student, this student. So I definitely need to let go of those bigger, you know, I've just kind of been always an aspirational person. And it's like, maybe those will come, but I also need to find a way to just chill out and be fulfilled where I am right now instead of like always reaching for the next thing.
0: That's super interesting to hear, especially with you being a teacher. I would really encourage you to consider watching this movie called Mr. Holland's opus. Have you ever seen that?
1: No, I'm writing it down.
0: It's about this musician takes a little bit of time to work at a school so that he can make some money and have some free time to work on his craft. And then he finds out very quickly that being a teacher means that you have no free time. Yeah. And, (laughs) And it's all about his like, Throughout the course of his life and his career, he's constantly looking forward. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to go. This is what I'm meant to do. And until I get there, I'm just not doing the thing I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But then as the viewer, it's slowly unfolding to you that he's having a significant impact on people and that their lives Mm -hmm. are changing because of him. And that Mm -hmm. it's not really until he gets much later on that he starts to recognize, wow, I wanted to do this super important thing that was really fun and exciting for me. And I'm realizing that through the whole course of this, I've actually been doing important things, even though yeah. I thought that it was this mundane job that I didn't Ugh. want to do. I watched that movie after a decade plus of not seeing it, having similar experiences in my own life, not as a teacher, but found myself multiple times in the movie just weeping. I was <laughs> like, I'm so glad Caitlin's at work right now. Like, <laughs> I sit here during my lunch, just eating this sandwich, crying as this guy's having this sort of really important existential moment and seeing myself in those cool. moments as well. I think that some of the things that you're talking about yeah. right there, it's so easy to get lost in that focus that we don't realize that, man, there are people that we're interacting with and having an impact on right here and right now. The, the moment that we're in is the moment that, that God yeah. is using us. We're not yeah. waiting for that moment to be used. He's using us right now. Okay, so big 90 degree turn here. A lot of people who are recently graduated, and I would say especially those who have come from a Christian community like InterVarsity, are having a hard time connecting with Christian community or having a hard time just with the church in general. I would be interested to know what's it been like for you in the church community, the Christian community outside of college?
1: I won't lie. It's been tough. Jacob and I, when we moved back to Milwaukee, we started going to a couple of different churches to see, do we want to stay like at the church that I grew up at? We decided like, this is kind of difficult because every community has its own struggles. So we just need to decide like what are the things that are important to us in a church community? And what are the struggles of that community that like are like okay with us? Do you know what I mean? Like we don't want to like, Yep. People who are listening to this probably won't know this. But I'm biracial, so I'm black and white, and we live in Milwaukee, which mm-hmm. is um extremely segregated. Yeah. Like ridiculously segregated. And so that makes it really hard to find a community that's diverse um mm-hmm. like racially. Yeah. And But also, we really put a big weight on wanting it to be diverse in age groups, basically, after all of our considerations, we ended up at my home church anyway, where I grew up, because it just is the most diverse church ever that we could find in the city, as far as racially, but also like nationality, like we just have a lot of things going on. So it was definitely hard for me and for Jacob at first because I know a lot of people there because I grew up there and Jacob knows no one. So then it was this whole weird like, should we just go back and hang out with the people that I used to hang out with and now they'll be your friends? Or should you join a group and make your own friend? What should we do? You know, (laughs) and then COVID happened. So then we, I mean, did church at home for a while, but we both definitely have had quite a few conversations, especially throughout the summer of like, okay, we got married and we said that we were going to like serve the Lord together in our marriage. Yeah, We don't know like actually what that looks like. That sounds nice. But then if someone, okay, how do you do that? It's like, "Mm, I don't know. Like (laughs) that mean like we pray before every meal. Is that it? You know? So right around this time that we were feeling this, a pastor at our church emailed me and said, Hey, I am trying to get a new small group started with young people who are either about to get married or recently married within like the Mm -hmm. last five Do you guys want to join? And I have a bad habit of doing this, but I didn't even ask Jake. I just, yeah. (laughs) And then later Uh, that night, I told Jacob, and he was like, that sounds good. (laughs) Like, so, like,
0: oh, that's funny. (laughs) Every married couple can identify with that exact moment from one side of the relationship or the other.
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, it's me doing that a lot, but that's okay. We're growing. Uh So at our first meeting, I was like, I don't think i'm gonna fit into this group because everyone was super quiet Hmm. and i was racking jokes and everyone was not laughing and i was like of course like what am i gonna do (laughs) and we left and jacob was like okay i already know what you're thinking but like you just need to like give it a try like we Hmm. need to give this a couple at least a couple months um and i was like yeah you're right because like if there's one thing i learned from like in a varsity community it's one that it takes work. nobody's themselves when you first meet them like everybody's some like kind of exaggerated version of themselves either on one end or the other so like we just need some time so we've been meeting with this group of young people and um I'm really grateful because I don't know any of them like I didn't know any of them before so that's been really cool and the other thing is uh we actually are pretty lucky that quite a few of our friends from Eau Claire University moved also back to milwaukee kind of like just by chance so we've been all trying to be like pretty intentional about like at least once every couple of months like seeing if we can like get everyone together and getting together with those people is just so sweet
0: that's great Uh, that that feels like such a like such a worthwhile principle to consider if like for the places that it's possible to have both of those kind of communities Mm -hmm. of like these are the people that it's just easy it just works like we yeah. can connect with them we all want to be together mm-hmm. every opportunity that we have and we don't have to work hard once mm-hmm. we're there because we already did that work years ago yeah but then to also have that place where you're like okay this does take work this is a place for us to keep practicing like what it looks like to develop new relationships and to to care well for people that i don't know trusting that down the road, we're going to get to that place. I think it's so easy for us just to forget that it is hard work to develop relationships. It's harder for some and easier for others, but overall, like it's hard work to build that relationship.
1: And I think I had a lot of fear going into just like, given the state of the country right now, Mm -hmm. I was like, I kept telling Jake. So we came to this small group and everybody was white, which is like, very rare that that would happen at our church sure. like the odds of that happening are like so low so i was like <laughs> what the heck like this is just another like situation where i feel like people are going to be saying stuff about like what's going on and mm-hmm. i'm going to feel like i have to like speak up again and like this is supposed to be like this new community that we're making and i'm now i'm going to be the one who's like you can't say that you know? yeah, <laughs> like, so right? I mean, because it is a big church, a big city, it's really divided. No matter where I go, people are going to have opinions that I don't agree with or that aren't hurtful. Mm -hmm. But also, I think, especially right now in the church, it's really, and I'm saying this for myself more than anybody else, but it's just really important that we learn how to continue to work with one another, even in those moments of like, i cannot believe that you actually think that you know the enemy wants to use that divisiveness to like separate us that's what is the goal you know yeah. and it's, he's probably having a great time because that's probably really easy to do now all someone needs to do is say one inflammatory phrase and then half the people could be like i'm out you know yeah. so and nothing like that has happened at our bible study actually I've been surprised the other way <laughs> from most of the people so I just think that that's a really unique area for anyone who's going to be leaving college in the next little bit here. Sorry if we went off track here a little.
0: No, this is good. I mean, Rachel, this is part of your story, and the hope for this space is for people to be able to tell their story. Thank you for sharing that. It's cool to hear about this opportunity for you to step into this group that simultaneously is super young, which you didn't want to have in your your church community, and is not diverse, which is also what you didn't want to have in your church community. But that here maybe you're sensing an invitation of this is an opportunity for us to be a part of developing the change that we want to see happening. And what an opportunity for you to be able to be there ready for when the next person or couple of color come into that community that you can be there ready to receive them with open arms and say, I've been waiting for you. I'm so excited for you to be here. And we as a community are ready and excited for you to be here. So you've had all of these things going on, all of these different experiences. If you could talk to somebody who is about to graduate, who's stepping into this whole new world, what do they need to know?
1: I would say, especially if you're coming from the varsity community, they do such a great job of helping build rhythms into your college life that naturally allow space for you to commune with God, if you take them to study the word and to be quiet before the Lord and like hear from him and just spend time with him. None of those are there. (laughs) When you graduate, all of those things are so important and i didn't have this realization until a few months ago because when i first got out of university, i was really doing a lot in that yeah. ministry so
0: yes just
1: leading worship and helping lead a study there was a lot going on and i loved it but i also was almost relieved like i'm gonna take a little break now that was just so much on top of everything i was doing for school but i didn't realize how much I needed those systems because Mm -hmm. I journal to pray and looking back at journals from even just like my last year of college or or from my first year or anything I had this experience this year of feeling like whoa I don't know what the word is but I was really into this and what is going (laughs) on I feel like I don't talk to God that way anymore Mm. I went on a walk and I was thinking about it and I was like, well, of course not, because you're not spending two hours on Monday in the work preparing because you're so anxious that large group. of to go well and really just asking the lord to like take it over and you're not spending time with these people digging into why do you think there's so many of this word in mark chapter 3 you know there's just (laughs) all of those things that Uh, feel silly when you're doing it but then once you get to that moment of oh my gosh i think god is speaking this thing to me all of that takes time so i think the biggest thing I would tell myself, and that I am telling myself now, is you need to sit down and actually plan. When can you do those things that you know feed your soul and that bring you closer to God? For me, it's been figuring out, okay, when can I drive out of the city, go on a walk by myself, and just be still for a couple hours? I've got to start somewhere, you know? Right. So get that on the calendar, because if it's not there, you're not going to do it, because things right. come up.
0: That's great. Those rhythms, they're huge. They provide so much stability. They're available after college. They're just not as upfront, in your face available as what you were used to.
1: Yeah. I think that's
0: a fantastic word. And I can say from experience that is also something that I struggle with maintaining those rhythms, even though they are life. Rachel, thank you so much for hanging out and sharing your life. I'm super grateful that you joined us.
1: Thanks for giving me the opportunity. I hope we get to jam sometime in real life soon. That would be
0: super fun. (laughs) Let's figure out how to make that happen sometime. That would be awesome. Thank you. And there it is. Part one of my chat with Rachel. Like I said, I hope to release a bonus episode in the new year. So keep that filed away. But hey, can you ask for better advice to end the episode? How important are those daily spiritual rhythms that we so often take for granted? I don't know about you, but I feel like I usually put too much weight on the big conference or Sunday morning moments to fuel my discipleship. But I honestly think it's the daily faithfulness to simple rhythms that keep our hearts tuned into God. Thanks so much, Rachel, for such an important reminder. I, too, would like to give you a reminder, and that's that there are more episodes of this podcast. We have four episodes that have dropped all at the same time. If you're traveling for Christmas and need something to listen to as your sleigh glides over the river and through the woods, or if you're just looking for a last-minute gift idea for yourself, tear the wrapping paper off another episode and enjoy. Our fourth episode features not one, but two guests, husband and wife power couple Leah and Daniel. Pop on over and check it out. We'll see you there, alumni. Thank you.